Coming up, Matt talks about not being able to shoot rodeo from places where he wants to shoot. And I talk about horses and the book. Your photos you shot for assignment desk, clutch cues, plus what we can do better for you in the coming year. And we wrap it up with Motor Sports Best of 2018. Episode 75 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! This is Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment, please go to patreon.com slash BLFS, and that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BLFS. And show us how much you love us, because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. News. News. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. We talk about ourselves because we like to. This is actually our second recording because what I did about three weeks ago didn't record. Matt's did. Do you remember anything you recorded last time? Uh, no. All right. So it's like as if you've, that thing never, ever happened. First of all, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and Happy Everything to everyone. Um, this should probably come out ooh, at the end of the month. Happy New Year to everyone. You want to go first, or should I go first? Uh, I'll go first because I haven't shot in a month. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> I blocked off a bunch of time to go shoot the national finals rodeo, and the people I had an agreement with went back on their agreement, so my access was really shitty, and I, I looked around and said, uh, I don't need this. <laughs> oh. And I don't really know if this is a applicable lesson to everybody, but... The thing is, you really do have to put yourself into positions to get the best pictures. Sometimes you won't be able to. And at that point, you have to decide, is it worth it for me to do this, even though I know I'm not going to be able to do my best work? And for me, I have enough rodeo pictures. My clients have everything that they need. And for me to shoot the same thing for 10 days from the same spot wasn't going to do anything at all for me except make me a couple dollars here or there. And my reputation is more important to me. I need to put my name on my pictures, just like everybody needs to put their name on their pictures. And for me, I wasn't really willing to accept shitty pictures that I would still have to put my name on just to say that I did it. So I didn't do it. And I feel great about that decision. So is it one of those, it's the same thing that you have to, like the organizer being the dick that they were for the past 10 years and they decided, hey, you're going to sit here. and Or is it every photographer has to sit in the same place and you can't move? No, I had the highest clearance that you could possibly have. Um, some people decided that they were going to sabotage me a little bit and they were pretty effective in doing it. It'll be fixed, but not in time for this year. So you're not going or you didn't go? No, I didn't go. I went, yeah. but I left. Yeah. I think it's like the same. Like, it's not like I didn't get any sort of like, you know, super duper accreditation. But I remember like I was shooting judo once in Paris, the world championship. And I realized that when I got there, they told me like, yeah, this is where photographers shoot. And I said like, okay, so can I move anywhere else? And they said, no, this is where it is. And it's like, it was like on a little you know, like a seating thing, like a stadium seating thing, but not like really steep, but like quite, you know, shallow, you know, incline. And I was like, so I'm going to shoot the next couple of days exactly sitting here. So taking from the exactly the same angle. And I said, nah, nah, I'm not yeah. doing so. I just collected yeah. the accreditation, just make sure that I was, I wanted them to know that I was there and I just left. Right. I was like, yeah. fuck this. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's really, I mean, I don't know. I think most of the people that are listening to this, this isn't a problem that they're going to run into all that much, but it does, it, it follows with the advice that we, that we say, if you, if you're shooting a game and the place that you're shooting from has a huge ad board in the background and the action is always going to be closer to that ad board than it is to you and you shoot the whole game there, you've wasted your time. Everything's going to look bad. It's not, you're not breaking any new ground. You're not doing anything artistic. Um, the pictures are just going to be like the best that you can hope for is average. That's just not, <laughs> that's not where I am. I have a reputation to protect. When people see my name on a picture, they know what to expect. And so whether it's because you couldn't get better access or you didn't think to get better access, it really does come down to the access. And if you don't have it, if you can't put yourself in a position to make great pictures, you're not doing yourself any favors. And the proof of this is in the pictures that actually did come out of it. They're nothing. <laughs> you know, I, I got, you know, I'm just as happy with what I got. Nothing as the people who actually shot because they got nothing too. If you can't figure out the access, if you can't get into the spots that you need, you know, really at that point, you're only doing it for a check and you can only do that so many times before people think either he doesn't care about what his pictures look like, or he doesn't know the difference. And I do care. And I do know the difference and everybody who looks at my stuff cares and knows the difference. And that's it. Like a couple of things happened right after we recorded the last one, right after I didn't record the last one. Technical difficulties is a wonderful thing. Um, so I did this like horse racing thing for the first time, which was really, really interesting. I kind of have to like apologize to my client, which I already did actually. And I said, I'm really sorry that I couldn't actually get the shot that I wanted. Um, horses, like they're really big and they come really fast and it's the most frightening thing i've probably like i think like one the one of the, the, the frightening thing i did was like i was um shooting baseball um during practice in one of the latin american countries and i was i was shooting them grounding the grounding grounding balls so like you know the, the coach just you know hitting the ball and then the infielders were catching it but like they come really really fast you know and the balls are really really hard so they even told me like okay if you get hit by one of these things like we we're not going to take a responsibility and i said okay that's fine but this is like another level thing because of the fact that like they're they're so big they're so fast and i like i've cut put focus on certain places to say okay and i put like you know crazy lot of um f-stop and, and to make sure that i i'll catch as much thing as possible from that focus point on but my God, like there's certain things that I did that just didn't work at all. And like, yeah, I got two chances mainly and it's like seven races. So 14 chances. And I can kind of say like, I've got like the stuff that I wanted maybe twice out of the 14. So I really, I, I completely underestimated it. And next time I do this, I've, I have learned my lesson and I think I can put it to good use, but it's one of those things that you do work for a client and I'm, I feel kind of bad because I'm taking money from them and I kind of did a subpar job on the tracks. Um, I got to go into a locker room and it's like, shoot, um, the people who, the jockeys, huh, who were preparing and everything. That was really quite cool. And that went well because that's, you know, I, I like like that stuff I, I can do well. But the forces, huh? I swear to God, it's, it's so scary. I can hear them from a distance away. It's like, oh my God. Um, scary. Oh yeah. And then, so that was that. And then a couple of weeks. I think it's important to touch on that for a second because we talk about what to do when you're shooting something for the first time. I think that, you know, if you've shot American football and you go to shoot actual football, the speeds are more or less the same, Right but you go to shoot horse racing or auto racing the speed is completely different and you can know and you can you can even be a good photographer and the speed will just fool you you watch it on tv and you think you have it covered but you go there and it ends up being way faster than you thought and the example this is the part that i remember from last time i went up in a skydiving jump plane and i was shooting a guy jumping out of the plane and 
I thought, oh yeah, I'll be able to get four or five pictures or something as, as he's jumping out. But the thing that you don't understand is you're going, I don't know, seven, 800 miles an hour or something like that. When the person jumps out of the plane, they are gone. They're not hanging around there just because, you know, they're jumping out of the plane and you're in the plane and you're pretty close to them. It doesn't matter. They're gone. And so when I got one picture of him giving the thumbs up as he was jumping out and I thought I'll be able to move a little bit in between shots. And by the time I pushed the button, he was gone. Mm. And so that's important. I think that um, it's probably not the best idea to take a gig where it's so radically different, especially the speed part of it. Um, You really do need to have been there. Even if you're a spectator, just go there and see how quickly they move and how little time you really do have to be able to shoot them. Yeah. It's, uh, it, they're just gone. And yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I want, I want to do it again, but, um, I think I would like to actually like go and practice somewhere when they're actually racing and trying to get, I want to practice like different angles and different light and things like that. You know, obviously the second thing is that, uh, my book, has finally arrived and I have sent it to Matt Cohen's direction. People have been saying that would it arrive before Christmas? Uh, I think some people would have actually received theirs, but it really depends like how stringent your customs practices are in your own country. Having actually like done the second book now, uh, at this point, it's good. Like it's good to kind of like get it out of the way. <laughs> it's, uh, because if you are making something, if you're looking at your pictures for the past six months, your same pictures over and over and over, it just gets so annoying. And I'm happy that, if, you know, people receive it if they enjoy the book. But like, I think for me, like I've just started already thinking about what I'm going to do four years from now in Qatar and not this one. Um, lessons learned and... If you ever want to like make books and things like that, you should really, really do your homework beforehand um, when it comes to like taxes and how to deliver them and delivery costs and all that kind of stuff. But now that I've actually like worked with other people, like I worked with a poet this time and also worked with um, a illustrator, it's a very interesting thing because you're kind of like, once you're done with the final, like you shot the final, that's it, it's done. You really got like nothing else to you other than like edit images and they're working with your image so that's kind of quite um a bit stressful and bit but also really interesting i really appreciate the fact that they came on board and decided to work with me uh with me but yeah you know um if you listen to this and if you've ordered a book uh hopefully it will arrive at your doorstep very soon it should be and uh if you're interested in getting them yes no you can finish oh yeah I was going to put my little advert. Uh, if you want to buy one, please go to nohands2.com. That is N-O-H-A-N-D-S-2, like number two, dot com. And you can buy them and I will send it to you. Yes, my Cohen. Yeah, I can't say whether they should do that or not because I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But what I did want to say this. was, I, so let's talk about looking at pictures again because for me... I look at my pictures, I look at all of my pictures, every single one, every year. And I look at some of them more, especially if I'm looking for something specific. And I think that what you were saying as a negative, like you really get sick of it. I, I definitely do that also. But I really do feel that it's important to do it. Mm. Maybe not for six months continuously. Um, but I think it's important to look through because you can start to see trends that you wouldn't think of. You you can say, oh, wow, you know, I've been to this rodeo for four years in a row. In the last two years, I basically did exactly the same thing that I did the year before. Uh, and I, I just don't, I don't want to do that again. Mm. You know, I do that all the time because once I have a picture, I, I just, I, you know, like I can make the same picture again if that's all there is or something, but it's not what I want to do. I don't want to keep going. I don't want to you know, I don't want a client to say, send me every picture of this cowboy. And I go to them and I have 15 pictures that look exactly the same because, you know, for me, I don't want to send them 15 pictures that look the same because then they get paralysis, you know, decision paralysis or whatever. Like, oh, these are all really good and we can't decide. That's not a good thing. 
because a lot of times they just end up not deciding, right? And then I have to say, oh, okay, how about this one or something? I want to send them the good stuff. I want to send them, you know, 10 different pictures rather than a hundred of the same pictures. And I think it's really important to go back and look at your work and figure out what the trends are and if you're going in the right direction or if you're doing something that, you know, is continuously not okay and you just want to stop doing it. Like I, I tried something this year at one of the rodeos that I shot and I didn't, I, I wanted to not bring my 400. So I brought the 200 F2 and the 300 2.8 and I thought, okay, I'll be able to do this. But it was a big arena and there were definitely pictures that I should have had the 400 for. And again, it's not the end of the world because I shoot these guys all summer, but some of those pictures were just straight up wasted. You know, when you're shooting a, a 300, when you should be shooting a 400, and if the distance isn't right, if, you know, again, if the background is too close to the subject and you're too far away, having that 400 makes a huge, huge difference. And not having it means I threw away a lot of pictures. So I'll never, ever make that mistake again. Like I won't even take the 300 to that rodeo again, ever. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just go with the 200 and the 400. If I hadn't looked at those pictures, who knows? It could have come time to pack next summer and, okay, I'm, I'm just going to bring this and not having any kind of frame of reference as to what I did last year would have hurt me there. So that even if I don't learn anything else from going back and looking through all my pictures, that is an important enough lesson because it's going to stop me from making a whole bunch of pictures that aren't usable and it'll at least give me a chance to get pictures that are usable. So I think it is important, even though it might not be a whole lot of fun to go back and look at, look at them and, you know, rate them again or keyword them again or something like that and, or choose them for a book. Um, I, I still think it's really important to do that. I'm glad I don't have to do it again for another four years. Like I did the, uh, best of, climbing you know thing like because we we talked about like last episode like matt cohen sends them to their clients and potential clients and i did the same thing and that like was more of like what can i do so basically i didn't actually have any photos that looked exactly the same because i i wanted to show them uh, this is what i can do so if i put like the best of all the photos that i have i thought okay well that probably won't really do it because there are a couple of photos that i liked but it's kind of the same technique so there's a lot to consider i think like when you're really doing like best of or like if you're trying to kind of woo potential clients and things like that you really have to like you know think about these things through um before you decide to print them because once you print them like it's a lot of money to actually print these things now yeah uh, not the books but like the actual like if i made those like what uh, climbing like five no four climbing books and that's a lot of money just like to make four because obviously the less you print the more it costs right. anyhow um that is it uh we will then move on to oh yes this is gonna be fun to the fun stuff all right so see you guys in a bit We give you an assignment and you show us if you've been listening. Don't doze off and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one. Uh, now that we're actually doing this for a second time, I know exactly what I'm going to do. So we're going to cut to the chase and say, Matt Cohen, what do they have to do next month? <laughs> uh, they have to go find pictures that have color in them. <laughs> yes. So you got to do it again. Yeah, this really sucks because we um, we spent a lot of time going over these pictures. And again, if you're new to this, you can go to biglensfastshutter.com and look for the blog post on episode 75. And you will see the links to the stuff that we're talking about. Um, the assignment was color. And um, the problem is that these are just pictures that have colors in them. But if you ask somebody to look at these pictures and say, what's the common denominator for all of these zero people who saw all of these pictures would say color. And that is the problem. We want the color to be the dominant thing. We want people to look at the picture and be, Oh, look at that blue or look at that red or something. It has to jump off the page. And what we're seeing here are just a bunch of pictures that 
don't look like they were purpose made for color and it just looks like you wanted to enter into assignment desk and you picked ones where you could see colors but everything is color by default in digital so what we're looking for is overwhelming color and the only one out of all of this there's now we're gonna have to merge these but there's a thread for episode 75 and one for episode 76 um, because we put it up before we realized that we couldn't use the last audio but the picture of the goalie from Kevin is the only one that does this like even the parts of the picture that aren't blue are blue because of the light that he was in and this is what we're talking about these other ones where it's just like you know legs of coaches or a guy heading a ball these are just sports pictures they're nothing to do with overwhelming color um and that's what we're looking for so uh, i definitely don't want to go too deeply into it because we've already done this again and all of it was just bitching uh, before but what we're looking for is the the first thing that somebody thinks of is oh look at that color it doesn't have to be one it can be a lot of them but it whatever it is it has to be overwhelming and um, I think this is an important exercise and this is the reason that we're doing it again is that to get people's attention you have to be at the ends of the spectrum right you know the either like a crazy black and white where it's all just tones and contrast or a picture where the colors are just popping off of the page or one where there's a colored light source and it's coloring everything uh, even colors that aren't the same. These are the important things, not, oh, there's grass in this picture. So the color of this picture is green. Like that is definitely not at all what we're talking about. So I want to send you back, um, use the one for episode 76. Um, so we're going to do this again. I want overwhelming color. It doesn't matter if the subject is the thing that's colored or the background any of it, but figure out a way to get a dominant color or colors into your picture so that when we look at this thread at the end of it, people that don't know what the challenge was would know that the color was the most important thing. That's a blind testing type of thing. Like you always have to think about these things that if someone actually doesn't like, you know, like we talked about whether or not you could, you know, take a picture of a sport that no one knows anything about type of thing. You know, like you have to like make it and you have to be thinking, okay, if person, if someone who's looking at this picture has got no idea what's going on, what would they see in my picture? And the Kevin's like one of the very, very good example. You just see this blue. Like that's all you just like, it's just go. Cool. It just smacks you in the head and say blue, 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 blue. And that's kind of what we want. Like, it could be multiple colors. It could be that. But, like, it has to, like, really just dominate your brainstem. You know what I mean? Like, it just has to, like, really hit you upside the head with it. So, um, good luck. Hope it goes well. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's an easy one if you think about it. Like, if you have to, but you have to really concentrate on don't like you have to go into a, a match or a competition thinking that's what you're gonna shoot, okay? Because I don't think if you're just like kind of shooting along and you see all the pictures and you say, Oh, this gun's got a lot of colors, and, you know, it's probably not gonna work. Yeah, it's probably not gonna happen by accident. This, this is something that you need to be, and, and again, this is part of it, right? You go and you shoot the game, but you also should have other things in your head, not just. I'm going to shoot this game, shooting for your portfolio, shooting to get a specific picture that you don't have, that you had an idea for, something like that. And this is one of those things, like, as you're walking in, look around, is there a wall, you know, that's been painted a certain way and people walk in front of it, or it can be in the background of one of your shots or something you you do need to look at this because it's probably not just going to happen by accident and then as you're looking oh this is this is good i can put this one in in color it's probably not going to happen like that yeah all right well that's it um we're gonna obviously skip master class but we got a quite lengthy um other stuff that we can talk about so it's not like we're like you know getting lazy or something because we're recording this for a second time but it's definitely not okay see you in a bit
pledge cues. So, um, this is where Patreon people, uh, more specifically, people who gave us money through Patreon, gets to ask questions. Um, if you're interested in uh, giving us money, so you get to ask us questions and do other things, please go to patreon.com slash PLFS, and that is definitely not P, but P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash B-L-F-S, and give as much money as you want. I'm totally happy with that. So we did ask, uh, no, you guys are asking questions. And since uh, we didn't have that many questions asked this month, uh, we are also going to talk about what can we do to make our service better, uh, 2018 edition. And we will try to make some of these, not all of those, because this is not possible. Uh, like we will try to make it happen. We'll make we'll make dreams come true. Anyway, so yeah, I think you know we do take these things seriously. We'll we'll get to those questions in a second, but I just want to say we're not sitting here blowing all of them off. I mean, I think you can hear that our sound quality is both a lot better since uh, <laughs> our friend pointed that out to us. Um, so if you do have things, if you know, we don't have your perspective, right? We have our perspective of having to do this every day for a living, and you know, we're focused on our clients and what we're shooting and our gear and, um, you know, making it work in our lives. We're not, you know, our primary mission right now isn't learning how to be a sports photographer. So if you have, you know, if you do have questions, if you have ideas as to how this would better help you become a better sports photographer, we are all ears and we are taking it seriously. So the proof I think is in the audio quality right now. Yeah. Michael Molza is asking, uh, you did a post on social media showing you Boulder Portfolio, several questions. Why have you printed it? Where have you printed it? Will it go on sale for the general public or at least for the BLFS community? Um, if like, I think 10, no, if like 100 people wanted it, I think I'll print it because at this point, if I sold, like, I think it cost about, like, 30 euros to make one. Yeah. It's just not really, like, yeah, it's economically tough. viable to do it. Any kind of pr any kind of book printing or something like that, if you're not getting a 1,000 copies made or something, it's not, you're not going to be able to make any money at all selling it. And, and the difference is, I think when I priced it out, a 1,000 um, books, even, like, really good quality hardcover books, I think it would have been, like, 5,000 5, for a 1,000 of them, so $5 each. But when I print even soft cover books for promos in small quantities, even 15 or 20 books or something like that, they're like $50. Yeah, it's very expensive. Right? So, yeah. So, you know, think about a book, even though it's got great pictures and there's a lot of pictures in the book and it's high quality printing and it looks really good. First of all, it's still a soft cover book. And second of all, for me to make any kind of money that would make sense for the time that would take plus to pay for the packaging and the shipping and all of that kind of stuff, I'd have to sell the book for like 70 or $75 and nobody's buying mm -hmm. that. Right. So these are the $50 to me is nothing because any client that I get out of that is just going to be a bonus. Right. So why, why did Ryu print it? He printed it because I printed it. And why did I, because I was just really tired of sending links to my portfolio or links to a specific gallery or something like that, because it's so easily ignored. But if you're working at a company and somebody brings you the mail and there's this nice heavy book on decent paper with great pictures in it, that book is going to get looked at by somebody. It's just, you know, it's just too easy to ignore an email. People get emails all the time. Oh, I want to work with you, whatever. And I just picture people, you know, buyers sitting at their desk, just inundated with these emails. And for me, $50 to, to have a book sent to somebody is money well spent. Um, it just makes you look like you're more serious. It definitely is going to get people, whether or not it's the person that you sent it to or somebody else in the office, they're going to look at it. They're going to show it to somebody else. Like, oh, can you believe we got this book in the mail? Um, I just think that, you know, when you're when you're pushing to expand, that's really the best way to do it. So the other thing is that what is the sporting event that is on your bucket list that you want to shoot and i said last time super bowl because yeah i mean super bowl i want to shoot super bowl and olympics that's it yeah and yeah i just i don't really have any on my bucket list i would like to to shoot an olympics for sure but the problem is that 
I would want to shoot. I would want to have, you know, just like an all access thing so I could go to whatever event look good that day. And right. It doesn't, that doesn't exist. You, when you go to shoot the Olympics, you get assigned one, maybe two, if you're really lucky, like, you know, you shoot something for the first week and then you'll have a couple of days off and then you'll go shoot something else. But it's, you know, just for coordination's sake, you're not going to get a pass that lets you just walk into and out of venues, both space wise and security wise. It just doesn't exist. So to me, shooting the Olympics, you, you're not shooting the Olympics, you're shooting the Olympic hockey tournament or the Olympic fencing tournament, right? It's not the Olympics as a whole. And you could say, oh, but the opening ceremonies and the closing no, ceremonies and the medals and mm. all of that kind of stuff. That's not, you know, that's not important to me. The, and that's not to say that there aren't great pictures that come out of it because every year there are great pictures that come out of it, but it's not what satisfies me. What satisfies me is shooting at the highest levels. You know, I want to see the best athletes doing what they do. But the problem is that I already do that. <laughs> when I shoot hockey, it's the NHL. When I shoot football, it's the, you know, division one college football or pro football. When I shoot rodeo, it's the biggest rodeos. So for me to just go somewhere and shoot Olympic hockey, Olympic hockey isn't as good as the NHL. You know, th there's a reason because not all of those players are good enough to be in the NHL. So it can be exciting. There can be a lot more emotion, all of those things. But you're also investing a week or 10 days or something in a hockey tournament where there's all these other great sports going on around you and you can only shoot hockey. That's not really, that's not what I want to do. Um, you know, I, I have shot, um, you know, everything else, like World Series and Super Bowl and College National Championship, all of that stuff. And that just ends up being a really bad experience. So it's something that, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if it's important to say that you've done those things, then that's great. But, you know, when you go to shoot a Super Bowl, they don't, not everybody who shoots the Super Bowl is able to be down on the field. They have you up in, uh, in the upper deck shooting down or in the TV baskets or something, and you're uh, having to use a 600 because it's that far away that even a 400 isn't good enough. That's not photography to me at all. And it's got nothing to do with my business. It's got nothing to do with, um, you know, just to be able to say that you shot a Super Bowl or got good pictures from a Super Bowl is not going to really further your career in any tangible kind of way. So for me, I just want to shoot cool things. I want to find good light. I want to make up, you know, cool shots and angles and just the things that we talk about on here. And that's the reward for me, not, um, you know, punching things off of a bucket list at all it is olympics for the both of us Let's just make it that um the olympics accreditation is a bit of a funny thing uh matt said a little bit about it but you can yeah you can only get like sports specific ones so like if you want to get for a hockey or you want to get for whatever basketball but there are people who've got like access to all of them. I mean, obviously Getty does, but it's for the entire company they do. But there are some individuals who's been like probably close to dead. Um, they have access to all the events. Um, but they these accreditation they don't just like hand them out. You like need to, you know, suck some whatever, lick some whatever uh, to be able to actually get them. Or you've been doing this for like ages and you're just there because you're just old. Um, such as saying for football as well for the World Cup like there are a lot of um, people that I know who are very nice guys and they've been to like 10 World Cups but they're really old and they don't really good, take any good pictures they're just kind of there for like vacation because like you shouldn't be there just like for vacationing because a lot of people want to take you know shoot the World Cup but if there are people like you know these old piece of shit really in that in a way um are there like it just clogs up the system and it just same thing goes for a lot of sports and olympics as well um moving on matt make it quick remote cameras where would you use them and where would you not uh i can tell you where i would not use them and it's behind a goal <laughs> Uh, I just, I'm so done with that. It's so low percentage. And even the pictures that work are so rarely worth anything at all. Um, I do like overhead for certain things. Uh, basketball and hockey are cool. Uh, behind the backboard in basketball, if you can, they, they kind of don't let you really do this anymore because it blocks people's view. And to really do it right, you need foil to block out reflections and they don't, you know, again, people have to look, some people have to look through the backboard to see part of the court. 
so that's tough to do but yeah rafters is cool um you know just getting the overhead shots but again it's not like something that you would do every game because whatever it's just so so few of those pictures are going to be worth anything at all and once you get one or two for me that's that's really about it um you know there there are definitely times for it like i've used them for rodeo and it's tough because the action is really unpredictable it's not the same as basketball like you know that they're just going to be going to the hoop and hockey you know they're going to be going to the goal in rodeo it's just uh i don't know just so unpredictable and the arenas are so big that it's very difficult to to get anything onto remote camera the the actually the most that I'll use remote camera is when I put the camera on a monopod and hang it out over the shoots. Um, that's barely remote, but I'm using pocket wizards to fire it, um, you know, just in my hand. But that's, that's really about it. I, remotes for me are getting into position that either you can't get into during play or um, are just so low percentage that you couldn't shoot a whole game like that. And to me, the, the uses for that are pretty minimal. Um, I know in horse racing, they use them a lot again, because you're trying to shoot something that is by you so fast that you blink and it's over. So you want to have three or four remote cameras shooting the same thing so that you can increase the variety of the pictures that you want to get. But other than that, I think, um, the uses for it are just very, very narrow. Yeah. And you also need another camera, which I always thought that like, my gosh, I have to like, first of all, a buy another camera. And I was like, no, I don't want to like buy another camera it's a cost a lot of money i don't want to do it um but i think for the horse racing thing like i've got like i would like to do a remote next time because there are angles that i want to do that i would probably be crushed if i had to like physically put myself in there so it depends where it is and also depends on where they will let you put the camera as well so please ask beforehand don't let it fall on anyone's head or any horse's head for that matter. What we can possibly like do in the future in terms of making this into a better service. So the Chico is asking us whether or not we can actually have a link to the, uh, not, the not, not the link, but the actual Flickr, uh, actually like actual photo that we discuss on cross counter on Flickr. No, because you can just like click the link because we usually do provide links for all these things, um, especially on cross counter. And you can just click on a link and you can actually look at a photo there. It's too much of a work for a kind of little game for that one. Yeah. You can also, you know, we, we do ask people to tag their pictures. That's that's actually how we look at them mm. when we do training grounds. So you just click on the hashtag. Um, is it a hashtag here or a keyword? No, it's just a tag. Um, but for every, for every one, there is a, um, it starts out BLFS, TG, and then the year, and then the month that we're, that we're recording it. And if you do a Flickr search for that tag, you'll be able to see all the pictures that we're talking about. That way you can look at it on the page, but um, we're not going to make another whole gallery to do that. So Michael K is asking us whether or not we can bring back the interviews. <sighs> yes. So let me just like kind of tell you like what happened for the interview thing, which I thought was a really good idea because I always, you know, also want to like, you know, talk to other people who do the things we do and you no, know, it'd be great and be interesting. The problem is that since Matt uh, lives in the West Coast of America and I live in Germany, the time difference is quite a lot. And then we have to then like fit someone, the interview, the person we we're going to interview into a time slot or a time kind of zone. And it becomes very difficult to get all three of us in one time at one place on the internet. But what we can do, and we'll try to do this, is that we will either have like my either Matt or me would interview that person so we only have to like worry about two time zones instead of three which will be a lot more doable because i just don't think it's really it's too much work honestly to, to get you know three people in the same at the yeah, same time it it's is just not it is difficult yeah. if you have any suggestions like people whose work that you've come across that you like and you want us to interview we're definitely open to suggestion there um there have been it's weird usually people are very receptive to like whenever anybody asks me to 
come on to a podcast and talk about photography, I'm happy to do it because I see it as an extension of what we're doing here and what I do in my workshops. But there are definitely dudes who will not do it. Um, I'm thinking of this one, this guy, um, Chip Litherland, Chip Litherland, who I think is a fantastic photographer, really one of the only guys who I think does consistently great work at a high level, just blew me, just straight up blew me off when I asked him to, to come on. So keep that in mind. It, it should be people, I guess, people who are more active on social media might find something like this more productive for them. People who don't participate in social media probably think that it's a waste of time or something. So, but anyway, uh, if you, if you think of anybody, if you come across somebody who's doing consistently great work, just send us a note and we will try to get them on. Simon, audio quality thing? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, please let us know when you listen to this. It, it sounds better to me in my headphones. I really hope that it comes through in the finished Maybe. product. If it didn't, please let us know because we are committed to making this sound as good as we possibly can. Yeah. Uh, the training ground and having uh, people on. Yeah, it's just kind of like it. It, it's my fault really because I kind of forgot here and there um, to also kind of like tell you guys that are like week in advance when we're going to be doing it. Yeah. Um, I will I will make it my mission this year. That I will promise for the remainder, not remainder, for the for the rest, no, you know, rest in 2019, I will, I will make sure that um, you will get the uh, links to the, uh, the whatever the yahoo not yahoo the youtube live that we're using um so you can participate in um training ground because I, I think it's fun i really do enjoy it as well um, yeah it was good it was very good and uh what else uh to make it longer just in general no i don't think we're gonna make it any longer because it's um i don't think it really like length is never gonna add any more kind of thing to it yeah we don't we it. also don't i, I don't look at the clock really you know we're not trying to hit any kind of mark we're kind of just going through and saying what we have to say about you know whether it's training ground or whether it's the podcast we're we're working with what we have right either the pictures that you guys have submitted or a lesson that we're trying to get across or talking about other pictures none of that is done to hit an hour or two hours or whatever. It's just how much, how much there is to talk about determines how long the podcast is. So if you pledge on Patreon and you have a bunch of questions, then we'll answer those. If it takes a little bit longer, we'll answer those, but we're not going to make it longer just for the sake of being longer. Yeah. And I think what we're, what can also happen is that we can actually just have the interviews as a separate thing. I just realized it might be a bit easier to post them as well. Hey, we'll think about it. Um, blah, blah, blah. Podcast guest, cross counter. Duh, duh, duh. Uh, expand critical beatdown. No, yeah, because. Yeah. No, no. No, I. Wait, I'm just we haven't really put. No. Yeah, we haven't put a. We haven't put a limit on what can be in critical beatdown. If you want to pay us the hundred bucks for the. To, to look at 15 pictures. I don't care. It could be 15 pictures of. 15 versions of the same picture. Hmm. Help me, you know, help me pick out which, yeah, yeah, help me, help me pick out which one is the best or whatever. I think that, um, I don't want to put any kind of artificial limits on that because again, it's a paid service you're paying us. So we'll look at whatever 15 pictures you want to show us and we'll give our opinion on that. I actually think that, um, you know, if we were looking at 15 very similar pictures and trying to break them down and show what works and what doesn't work, I think would be pretty valuable. Um, I, you know, I think that the attention to detail that comes from doing this for a really long time can come in handy to people who, if you just look at your pictures really quickly and don't think about them all that deeply, the pictures may look very similar to you, but then you get to a point where, um, they're not similar and you really need to know what makes this one the best out of this bunch and what makes this one a throwaway. Um, I think that's important also, uh, earlier, this year, I something crazy happened. I was laying underneath a grandstand and shooting through a fence, and a bull just happened to come way, way too close. I was shooting with a wide-angle lens, and it was just a really unique kind of picture. It just doesn't happen very often at all. And I got like 
I don't know, seven pictures of the rod or something like that. And they're all crazy and they're all really different because it was so close and the bull was really dynamic. But it was very difficult for me to pick which one was the best. And so I need to, to ask a bunch of rodeo people, like if you, you know, if you were choosing, you know, which one shows the bull doing its best and which one shows the rider doing its best. So I think that even looking at very similar pictures can be helpful because those small differences end up being very important the higher you get. So there's like, uh, Jules is asking whether or not we would talk about something that is low end. And I remember like what Matt and I said, that we're not going to talk about how to shoot low end sports photography because that's not what we're here for you to do. Like you can, everyone can take low end photography, right? Like it's not very difficult to take low end sports photography, like stock yeah, photos. I mean, this, you know? is, this is just antithetical to, to what we're doing here. You know, they're like, everybody is going to make low end pictures just, you know, as they do it. The, the difference is we just, we don't want to be there. You know, it's, it's not, it's not satisfying. It's not anything that I want to teach people how to do. Um, you know, if, if you apply the things that we talk about, then you'll make the low end pictures into pictures that are better than that. So I don't, I don't really want to even focus on that at all. It's just the opposite of what we're trying to do here. Nothing wrong, you know, with, with asking or whatever, but it's just, it, it's so antithetical to what we're doing. I did want to talk about the one before that he asks, um, or he tells us, show us more of your failures, the pics where you tried something new and it didn't work. I'm all for this. Mm. Um, I, I definitely am going to kind of go into next year with, um, you know, maybe having a keyword or something like that, that I can separate out the pictures where things didn't work and where I was trying something um, new and it didn't work or, uh, you know, just something that didn't work, period. And then maybe comparing and contrasting to something where it did work and that could just be a blog post you know what i mean rather than actually putting it into the podcast uh yeah i mean yeah it, yeah, it, yeah. The, because one then you where you do like one, one right. like or a video or every something other like month that. or something yeah screencast or something like that but i think this is a good yeah. idea and i'm definitely yeah. planning on doing something close to that um yes other ways to support us um so basically like stuff like tangible things um, we can do the, the the t-shirt thing but I think we might actually try to find something but this is something that I would like for you guys to 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 give us a bit more ideas to what we can do um, in terms of you know crap that we can I think you know, I think this is tough guys. I think it's tough because there's not a whole lot of when we were just talking about the books right if you get a thousand of something you can get a great deal on them and you can you know, even if you sold those thousand books that you got for $5 for $15, you're still making what 10 grand, you know, that's, yeah. that's a nice little payday. But, um, on the, on the scale that we are here, where if we're getting 20 t-shirts printed or we're getting them worse printed on demand, there's not enough money in profit there to make it worth our time to manage any of this kind of stuff. So that's why we have a Patreon because we're specialized, right? Nobody's kidding anybody else. We're not uh, Scott Kelby throwing shit at a wall, right? This is very specific. Mm. It's not a lot of people do it. So we have a Patreon so that you can directly support us so that we don't have to take a bunch of shitty advertising or sell your user data or anything like that, right? It's very simple. We provide a service and you pay us if you want to through Patreon. The rest of it, I'm not opposed to it. Like we could definitely do other t-shirts. We could do, um, I don't know. There, there's there's a million things that we could do, but none of those things are going to have the amount of profit for the amount of work. Again, keep in mind, we barely have enough time to do the show and training ground every month. So adding something, you know, like am I going to sell a t-shirt so that we can make $4 or something? I'm probably not going to spend any time at all doing no, that. No, I don't want to do that. Um, so the Michael K wanted to know like whether or not whoever we're going to interview is going to then recommend another person. And I remember we said no, because we might not agree with that person's, you know, it might be like his friend or whatever. And we'll look at his picture and say, oh, it's shit. And like, yeah, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> it does get kind of messy. Like there are photographers who I really respect, who are friends with photographers who I really don't respect at all. And that just ends up being a a game that I don't want to play. And, you know, the other thing is that it's hard enough to, to line everything up to get one interview. And then now we're, 
you know, taking a suggestion and having to follow through on somebody who might not want to do it or might, you know, be in a completely different time zone and makes it really impossible for us to do it. So um, we will we will definitely talk to the people that we know and try to get some guests lined up. And, and again, if you have somebody that you think is doing good work, then you can suggest it to us. But we're not going to do like that kind of chain thing where, you know, every, everybody recommends somebody else. But that's about it, though. I'm just like, you know, I... So let's just kind of like summarize. We will consider interview. We will consider doing the why did we choose this picture over that picture thing. That will probably like probably a blog post. Like every other month would then like give each of us two months to work on it. That's yeah. probably like a good decent amount of time. Is that it? This is kind of two things that we will definitely do. Oh, they wanted to interview Kevin. We already like Kevin's like been interviewed. <laughs> In a way, like he's he even has a pod, like he has a blog post on her website. So if yeah, you want to, like, yeah. you know, go on and read about his life and uh, the wonderful the rise of uh, the little Kevin making it to the big leagues now. Um, yeah, we both hate him, by the way. So you know, it would be like a hostile yeah, interview. It would be very, very nice. But really, like, he's very good now, and um, you guys should like. Yeah, and he works very hard, and he's gotten so much better, and no, like all praise for him, man. He's got a good gig as well at this point. So it's good, and um, he's probably the best sports photographer in Toronto. Probably could be, you know, never know. Um, yeah, so we will try to get things started for the next year, and then we'll plan a bit further ahead and get all the um. The, the wishes that you guys uh, want from us and uh, hopefully it will be a much better quality audio and everything for next uh, coming season of uh, Big Lens Flash Shutter so that's it Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're gonna prove you wrong with Cross Count. Time to hold your fellow sports photographers' hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. So this is um you know, like every year at the end of the year, all these websites, news sites and whatnot, they always have this like best of 2000, whatever. So this is best of 2018 by uh, CNN. Um, and as you've expected, this, it's shit. I think it's important to know how things like this happen. So there's, you know, a, like a junior editor sitting around and they have an AP account or they have a Getty account or something like that. And somebody says, oh, we need a best of picture. And they just scroll through. Right. There's not a whole lot of thought. This isn't somebody who is um, a professional photo editor or whatever. They're just going through and, oh, I like this picture. I like that. And then they, you know, they already have the rights to them. So they just put them in a web gallery and they can sell ads or whatever. This is how the web works right now. It's really not um, the the 31 amazing sports photos or the 20 greatest pictures of the year or something like that. It's not that. It's just some editorial intern was leafing through their AP account and, and this is what happened. But every once in a while, there's some good pictures. Um, the first one we're going to talk about, uh, again, if you want to follow along with this, you can go to biglensfastshutter.com and you can look for episode 75 and there will be a link to the cross counter that we're looking at right now. This one happens to be on CNN. The first picture is, um, do they not say who did it? Mm, wow no. that is fucked so they don't even have a credit either right? oh no no it's in the side it's, it's in the side uh this is giuseppe uh really? yeah, i don't even know uh it's it? like in the top right corner anyway uh this guy's name is giuseppe he shoots for getty images this picture is a, oh, yeah, a guy see. walking across the stage and there's an led board behind him he's taking off his helmet he's in his full uh race suit and behind him is an, like a graphic of a like a firework explosion or something like that. And he is, his head is right at the, uh, lined up with the center of where the explosion is. Um, 
I just like the timing of this. It's not a great picture. It's not perfect even for what it is, but it is cool. It was a good idea um, incorporating the the background into this. And it's something that would be very difficult to plan just because that board is going to be showing different things all the time. Um, but I like the, the carefulness of the timing uh, and the framing and all of that. Like it's everything is parallel and perpendicular and he's right in the middle and right in the middle of the, the, the fireworks. So I, I, it's a visually pleasing picture, even, even if it's not important. You need to be careful when you're shooting any sort of like led or like these jumbotron type of thing is that you need to make sure your shutter speed is about 250 of a second or oh, right. slower we did talk about that. yeah because of the refresh rate of these uh panels like if you go higher than 250 um you're just gonna get bizarre piece of that like you get stripes yeah it's, it's like a, it's screen. like a tv screen you know the each line goes and then the next line goes and then it's constantly refreshing and you you need a whole you need a whole refresh cycle for there to be a picture of it and this will come up if you shoot a scoreboard like in between rodeo runs if, if there's a guy that I don't know or something I will shoot the scoreboard so that I can caption the picture later and if I'm shooting at you know uh, 4000th of a second or something like that the board might be completely blank or I might only see the hometown instead of the name because of the again because of the refresh rate so you do have to be careful. You want to test it out a couple of times, use different shutter speeds. Like if, if this had been done at, let's say the top end, like 8,000th of a second or something like that, you might have two lines of the whole board. You know, it would look really weird because it would look like the board was broken, but it just ended up that you only took a sliver of what was happening at the time. Um, the second one is also uh, a car related thing. And this is a reflection in a pit lane of a formula one uh race it's no it's good like the guy you know was probably like looking at it like maybe he was a journalist and like maybe not a photographer or maybe he's a photographer and he knew where to go to get the reflection and he got it um it's not the perfect reflection um it's not very exciting picture either because i've seen a lot of reflection photos in sports photography that were much 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 better than this one but he thought about it, he composed it, and he got it. So bravo yeah, to him. Yeah, I, I like the fact um, that it's that it's symmetrical and, um, you know, the angle of the car pointing to the corners and then the line of the the building going through. That's all good. The The problem is, the, you know, the light is really flat. There's not really very much action going on here. And there are people in the top and the the guy who's pushing the car from behind and the guy who's holding it in place in the front are both cut off. I, I wonder if the best version of this picture was something like a long shutter where the car was the only thing that was, st you know, the car in the, in the part of the building that you can see was stable, but all the guys who were around it were, blurry because you know the the shutter was open for longer i think that might have been but i don't know like if the reflections are going to be that clear on that one either right so i mean he could have done this like one more time or something yeah. or maybe it was just like yeah because like that's where they're supposed to be stopping right it's not like a yeah and no i think i, I think mean like it's, it's it looks no, like they were no, pushing no, no. it out of out of the garage or something like i don't think it was sitting this doesn't you you wouldn't know ah, it's not a no stop, no you wouldn't know and, and these guys aren't wearing their um, their race gear. Like, if it was an actual pit stop, they would be in full... Yeah, it would be. They were wearing helmets, no? Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and full, right. you know, yeah, fireproof yeah. suits and all of that. And it would be a lot more hectic. This looks like they're just pushing it either into or out of their garage. Um, but that, you know, that doesn't matter as much. But I guess what I'm talking about is, like, if, if you could get a picture like this and it was an actual pit stop, the, the cool thing would be to have the car be frozen and have the the long shutter so that everybody that was running around the car would be kind of like a blur and that would be you know a really good representation of what a pit stop looks like the the driver and the car are completely still but everything around them is moving as quickly as they possibly can mm -hmm. so that would be the only thing that i would um that i would want to do other than you know maybe shooting wider so that the those guys weren't cut off at their head and arm yeah so there you have it another exciting edition of the best off 2018 um are you gonna do the best off like on the on the yeah, blog as I, well? Yeah, I didn't do it last year, but I am. I have to do it for something else. Yeah, this year, I'm gonna so. do it this year yeah. as well because I've got some time before I before I catch a flight tomorrow to go back to Japan. So I want to actually kind of do it tonight 
and trying to find 10 best of 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's it though. Can I wait? That's it. Yeah, that is it. Well, I'm just like. And with that, we end the 75th episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. Can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer, Extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at BigLensFastShutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket, please donate it to us at Patreon.com slash BLFS. And that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BLFS. To recap, Patreon, Facebook, website, and that's it. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next month and merry everything.